0: Welcome and thanks for listening to Open Banking today and tomorrow, a podcast powered by Rabobank. My name is Jeroen Broekema, I'm your host today. And today we're live from Money 2020 and we have a special guest. I must say two guests joining us to shed light on identity in a digital world. Our guests are Krik Gunning, who is the CEO and founder of Fourthline. And we have Reinier Smulders, is a business development manager, digital identity at Rabobank. Welcome gentlemen. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Jeroen.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, great you guys are, are taking the time to uh, to talk to me. I'm, uh, I'm very glad about that. And first of all, before we dive into this topic of uh, identity in a digital world, uh, I'd love you guys to introduce yourself. Uh, Crick, you go uh, first.
2: Yeah, my name is Crick, co-founder and CEO at Fortline. Uh, at Fortline, we've made it our mission to fight financial crime. And we believe the only way to effectively do that is through technology. Um, So we've built a proprietary platform with a very strong component around AI to help financial institutions both onboard new clients and monitor the clients that they've onboarded in the past. And we do that at a pan-European scale. And you guys
0: are doing this for quite a time now, right?
2: Yeah, we're close to six years in, and six years ago, no one was talking about AI. Uh, These days, it's quite different, so we've uh, been through quite a journey.
0: Right. And if I'm not mistaken, or I'm not reading the newspapers correctly, but if I'm not mistaken, you guys raised $50 recently.
2: Yeah, that's correct. So we uh, raised growth funding to accelerate our growth strategy within Europe, Uh, and I think it's a phenomenal vote of confidence for what the team has been building over the past year.
0: But. Uh, to me, it sounds like a, a really a lot of money. So you, you need all that money? Well,
2: we're, uh, we've um, chosen quite an opponent. So every year, $2 trillion are being laundered. So in that respect, if you really want to fight financial crime, you better um, come well prepared. And I think the $50 million is, uh, as mentioned, a, uh, a great vote of confidence and we'll
0: put that to good use. Wonderful. And Reinier, maybe you could also introduce yourself a bit more elaborate than what I've done.
1: Sure, uh, so my name is
0: Rainier Smilders, responsible for the sales for identity
1: services. We work together with Signicat since 2016 and uh, we, we both um, yeah have a kind of platform together with partner solutions and directly to merchants and we do it on, not on a European scale but more Benelux oriented.
0: Right, and when we talk about identity services, w- w- what are we actually talking about? What is it? So identity
1: is uh, quite diverse, you could, it could be onboarding of new employees, but it could well scan your driver license or passport while you're having a, a car sharing program. Um, but as well as uh, very simple, just activate a SIM card for instance, so very t- focused on the end user. Uh, we have 70 clients currently live and um, yeah, it's still growing, which is uh, very exciting.
0: So you partner with a lot of different players?
1: Yeah, we do. And I think Money 2020, it's a great platform to meet with different clients and partners and see what's in the market.
0: Right. And Crick, uh, what's in the market? I mean, what are you guys exactly uh, offering customers and who are your customers?
2: So we work, we're a B2B2C solution. So we help financial institutions onboard video clients. And on the one hand, that's fast scaling fintechs. We work with, for example, Conto from France, in Germany with Trade Republic, Scalable Capital, uh, as well as N26, but we also work with more traditional financial institutions, for example, here in the Netherlands with uh, NN, the Dutch insurance giant, Um, and we also work with Western Union. So I think it's a cross-fertilization where the traditional banks like the fact that we work with fintechs because fintechs are obsessed with UX conversion growth, but the fintechs actually also like the fact that we work with traditional financial institutions because they're obsessed with risk, security, and compliance. And in order to be successful in this space, you need to be able to serve both. Um, And that means, in practice, that we allow financial institutions to onboard clients in line with uh, the local regulatory requirements. Um, So in Europe, we have directives around anti-money laundering that need to be transposed into national law, and uh, the member states need to meet a minimum bar, but they can choose to gold plate their local regulation, which most of the countries have done. So we X the complexity that is created by that by offering a single platform that has locally compliant flows for all European countries. And then after the initial onboarding, we have a suite of products to offer continuous KYC. So Jun, you may not be in a sanction list today, but who knows what you're up to next month and we'll make sure that the financial institutions uh, where you have an account can actually make sure that you're still not on a sanction list tomorrow and the day after. We have also an authentication product where we can check whether the account user is the same as the account holder. That's to prevent money mules, account takeovers, and we've built a whole product suite to really throughout the lifecycle of a client make sure that your account is safe and the financial institution complies with the laws and
0: regulations. Wow, that's uh, that's that these are you know great sentences and a great summary of what you guys do. And I'm really curious. Over the years, you've seen so many people trying to. Fraudlessly, fraudlessly or in you know, in a not in, in a fraud way, getting into into a bank, right? By I, trying to identify themselves, do you have examples that you can share where what people have tried to actually get in?
2: Yeah. So one example would be I think the advantage we have is that we monitor trends on a pan-European basis, so cross-border through time, we can actually see what is happening in the ecosystem. Um, One of the new things we saw during the pandemic was the use of hyper-realistic silicon masks. So if you've seen the uh, movie Mission Impossible, it's these types of masks. And we saw that in different European countries um, and there was no connection between the cases. So we could um, really say this is a new fraud trend. And that's a great example of the fact that our platform is never finished because it uh, meant that we needed to train our AI models to be able to detect these masks. And the only way to do that is to acquire these masks yourself. They're 1500 bucks a piece. So we bought a whole suite of them and then started training our AI models and we're very successful at that. But I think it's an example of, uh, you, you never cease to be amazed how far criminals are willing to go in order to gain access to the
0: financial system. Although it's very serious stuff, I'm sure there were some great pictures made there.
2: Well, it was scary that I walked into the office one day and there was a grandpa standing in the hallway and it turned out to be one of my colleagues testing out a mask.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so here so you work with a lot of uh, different players out there. So what's the way you go about before you start working with them?
1: So, yeah, working with different players is doing your due diligence right. I think uh, there are lots of players in the market and uh, now Money23 is a great example, which I uh, yeah, talked again as well. But I think uh, we, we have a, a great partner, which is called Technicot, and they, they'll have the flexibility to provide those different suppliers on identity and biometrics and verification and AI. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it, it works very well. And I think uh, it's just also learning by doing. And uh, lots of clients are uh, challenging us in order to imp- to improve. And I think cricket is a great example indeed. And in masks and uh, just, uh, yeah, tricking. It's just playing with the system in a certain sense and see what is on the KYC or the AML side, what you can do. But, um, yeah, especially from a rainbow bank, from from, from the BVFT and regulations, it's a very important uh, yeah topic about how do you onboard people we we use our own solution to onboard our own customer our
0: own employees right so because i can imagine way. that um you like to work with players like fourth line where you actually have all this data they have gathered because if you you have just a startup that started with this you know although they their tech might be really good but you need to have experience right Correct. you need yeah that's right that's right and i think uh,
1: yeah, the data is one of the things that Rabobank is very good is because we do have our local uh, lo- local clients and local offices and our colleagues in in in, in the in, in, yeah working with the products. But uh, data is one yeah very important in terms of fraud and regulations. And um, yeah, I mean, we I mean, very good to have this conversation as well to
0: see what's what's going on. Yeah, because Crick, uh, kind kind of asking you the same question, but I guess you're much better today than you were let's say six years ago when you started, right?
2: Yeah, so i think yes we are uh, because the more data you see the more you know and the more you know the more you see so there's a uh, reinforcing uh, theme there and also the more financial institutions we work with the more feedback we get from them uh, about clients that potentially went haywire and they provide us information that allows us to strengthen the platform going forward however i said it's never finished and you should never assume that you um, are, have outsmarted the the criminals. And I think in, in that regard, we continue to invest quite heavily in developing our platform and making sure that we're good today, but also good tomorrow, which is, again, why we raised funding to make sure that we can continue to be successful going forward.
0: Right. Because what I also found very interesting what you said earlier around because I, I knew you guys more as you know really the entrance, right? So the KYC at the beginning, but as you mentioned, people change, <laughs> people may become criminals later uh, down the road. So you've become more like, I would say, life cycle management. Um, th- that is new, is that correct? is that Or did you always do this?
2: No, so we started really pushing this um, like a year and a half ago. And the, the reason for that was that we saw the financial institutions that we work with um, faced with challenges that they could not solve themselves and they were asking for our help. And I think there it really um, allowed us to build products that we could pitch to existing clients and say, listen, this is something that would um, help solve your problems. And, and if so, then we'd roll it out, out to the broader client base. So I think we've been very closely listening to feedback from the market as to where the pain points are. And I think you described it very Accurately, but sort of in a simple way, it would be if you decide to go to a club tonight, there will be a bouncer checking whether you have a ticket and whether you're not intoxicated. Um, And then if you make it into the club, it doesn't mean that everyone who's in is going to behave all night long. And I think the same thing, unfortunately, applies to financial services. It it may be okay at the time of onboarding, but if you then stop looking, for sure some of your clients are going to turn into bad actors.
0: Right. And is that, Rainier, you work um, with players that you know, do the whole thing, the whole life cycle, or do you pick particular winners on certain parts of that life cycle?
1: I think the second one, I think just uh, we can do it all. So you need to uh, to, to select the right partners. Um, I think onboarding is, is one, but as well to keep the people in and to identify uh, the persons. Single sign-on is a great example as well. Um, but as well to signing any contracts very practical okay uh, how can you con- how you can you interact with regard to empty contract and have the data from your passport or driver license into a contract itself so very simple solutions and we do have partners working with us on that and i think in the end we were doing is do it for the end users for our clients
0: to make things user-friendly, fast.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, fast, easy, uh, smooth as possible. And I think just a one-stop solution. So I have everything covered. And uh, we as a bank, we do have wallets. We do have identity and payments. So going forward, I do strongly believe that there will be a landscape that we combine all these three.
0: Right. Is it scary for a bank to rely on other <laughs> players? <laughs> it is, but it's
1: also uh, by, by learning and Um, One of the things initiatives we're taking internally is to see what we can do ourselves, what we can build ourselves. So once we have traction and do have the experience from the market, what we can do, we we talked about it earlier, how niche is this or how commoditized is it, but uh, hopefully we're going to the second one.
0: Right. Was that for you also your experience, Craig? that the first time you needed to uh, convince a major uh, financial institution uh, to work with you guys that it was much harder than it is currently.
2: I think it's always hard because a regulated financial institution is obliged by the regulator to perform very vigorous vendor onboarding checks, and that will never get easy. There was one financial institution, just to give you an example of how vigorous that process is, that asked us to send a picture of our fire extinguisher, I'm not kidding. So it's that level of detail. So then claiming that it will be easy is probably a bit of an exaggeration. Um, I do think what has really helped us is that we are a regulated financial institution ourselves. Um, So we're bound by the same regulations and the same requirements from the, uh, in our case, the Dutch Central Bank. And it means that a lot of the policies that a bank will ask us is uh, information that we have on the shelf. So we have a disaster recovery. We have data security policies. We have um, a governance manual. And that really helps in convincing uh, banks and other financial institutions that were a safe pair of hands.
0: Now that's really interesting because a lot of the podcasts we record here at Money 2020 are, of course, about you know embedded services working together with other players in the ecosystem. But loads of these players are not regulated themselves, right? So I guess also I'm looking at you right here now. Yeah. It makes it easier once they are regulated themselves, also to convince people within the bank, maybe.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think just to um, I think to conflict as well to reflect on the. Uh, the clients, at least, the ask in the request, and they would like to um, comply with regulations as well. So I think that's that's a, that's a, a must-have, um, and we can challenge our partners on that as well, as we are bank on the VBFD and DNB etc. So. Um, Yes, I think it's just a standard quote.
0: Right. So far we have a very optimistic conversation, so it's time to turn to the challenges. Where there are, um, I'm looking at both of you, but so take the floor who, who likes to talk, but what are the biggest challenges? You know, I would say from a from your own perspective, so from your own organization's perspective, as well as in the market, like broader.
2: Yes, I mean, I think the biggest challenge in the end is that the problem we're trying to solve is a very small of a much larger problem in society. Um, and long story short, if you're trying to prevent money laundering, that ultimately means that crime uh, has occurred in society and someone has benefited from them. Um, and I think sometimes the let's say overall chain of events, is underestimated. So a lot of people are pointing towards the banks and asking whether they're doing enough to prevent money laundering, and for sure a client doesn't want to actually pay for those checks. So a bank is facing a lot of scrutiny, whereas I think we fail to have a debate about the actual bigger picture, which is what is the stance against organized crime in a country? What is the stance around the use of hard drugs in a country? And if you're not having that debate, ultimately you cannot just look at the banks.
0: That's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, especially on conferences like this, we're all talking about, you know, talking with one another pretty much in a bubble. But the predicate offenses where you're referring to all these underlying crimes, that's where this is really about, right? Because 99 point something percent of the people are just, you know, want to do, you know, want to buy something or get an account at a bank or whatever it is, but are are just not um, into fraud or anything.
2: No, and I think getting back to the number I mentioned, if we're facing $2 uh, euros being laundered every year, then you also realize why criminals are willing to invest so heavily in either trying to breach the systems or uh, worse even seeking vulnerable people in society to act as money mules. And and we need to acknowledge the fact that it's uh, such a large amount of money which basically gives them so um, such high means to try and compromise the integrity of our financial system. And And banks have a obligation, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think it's also rightfully put with the banks for a variety of reasons, but they're not the only ones who can solve this. We can also choose as citizens to vote uh, parties in power that actually spend more on the prevention of crime rather than the laundering of the proceeds
0: yeah so you're talking about this bigger picture in terms of all the criminal activity that's you know going you know going behind all of this um, but equally I'm also concerned about and I tried to refer to that uh, in my in my previous question but um, about people that actually you know it's get it harder for them to, to do business because we get so many checks and is, is that something that's also concerning for you well I think whatever you do as a financial institution you're obliged to do it in
2: the most user-friendly way possible within um, the confinements of the laws and regulations. Um, And that's an obligation, and I can point to a lot of examples in Europe where that's not happening right now, where people are not opting for the most uh, client-friendly solutions. I think that's the obligation on the banks. At the same time, I think people need to realize that this is, not just about regulations that are being enforced on banks it's ultimately about protecting your account protecting your savings making sure that you go, don't get tricked into uh, wiring it to a criminal or uh, sharing your credentials and i think that's the switch we need to make this is not just about prevention of money laundering it's also about protecting your identity your account and your savings for
0: I'm, for I'm going to ask you, Rainier, uh, oh, it's good you're agreeing. <laughs> for I'm yeah, going to ask you about challenges, uh, w- one more thing, Craig, because I, my initial question was also, this is society, which is by far the most important, uh, I, I would say, but uh, challenges for your own organization, for Fourth Line, going forward? I mean, there's no money problem after uh, after a big race, so there's a, there's a lot of potential to grow?
2: Yeah. So I mean, I think in the end, we need to uh, continue focusing on the problems we we're solving for the clients we have and the clients that we want to win in the future and it comes back to what i said before as a tech company we're in the unfortunate situation that our tech product is never ever ever finished and i think that's the biggest challenge so the the mask is a funny example but i can give a lot of other examples where you really need to continue investing for example because regulations change in a country and then the financial institutions we work with expect us to have a solution in place the moment that, that comes into effect and that means that we need to be uh, aware of all the techn- technological developments, but also of all the regulatory developments, to make sure that we're also uh, so uh, covering
1: that for our clients.
0: Makes sense. Uh, Any challenges? Uh, wh- wh- what are they for you? What are them for you?
1: Um, at the moment, I think uh, the challenge will be how um, how you can expand or the global f- footprint in terms of identity. So uh, you have iden you have uh, its me in these kind of solutions. So can you get them towards France or Germany or the UK? I think that's one of the things, the challenges. And I think data security as well. So once I have my wallet with identity with an onboard a plane, what will happen with my data going forward if I move to another country? So uh, we are in a European digital wallet, which is a large-scale pilot uh, headed by Visa, which we learn a lot. But one of the things that comes across with regard to the use cases. Is how we can we uh, move for the country with the same identity and data. So uh, I think different regulation and countries do have their own stake. Um, so that will be challenging.
0: Right, makes sense. Before I'm gonna thank you guys for for tuning in for this uh, podcast episode. I want to give you guys both uh, the opportunity to add something that we should really have mentioned here, um, and uh, you know that our listeners could benefit from.
2: So. I agree very much uh, with what was just being said, so about reusable identity. I do think one step before, I think um, financial institutions can become better at actually um, storing the data that they retrieve from clients and preventing uh, the situation where the same client gets asked for the same information twice. And unfortunately, that happens a lot. And getting back to your previous point around, um, can you make it user friendly? I think this is a great example. So we've seen many examples of fines if you don't treat the data that you have confidentially. I would maybe add to that, that sort of maybe we should add a fine if you ask for the
1: same information twice.
0: Wow, that's a good statement. Renier? Yeah, any no, final thoughts?
1: Any final thoughts? I think uh, it's, just a, t- it's good to, uh, to, um, to know what, what's going on in the market and to speak with different uh, partners on this. So uh, it's great to, to have this uh, podcast on Money 2020. And I will be very looking forward at least to, uh, to, to, to let's see what's to investigate what we can do.
0: Wonderful! Uh, thank you both, uh, both a lot for taking the time to uh, to talk to me, uh, Craig Grunning, the CEO of uh, CEO and founder of uh, Fourth Line, and Rainier Schmilders, the business development manager for digital identity at Rabobank. Uh, thank you so much for for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you. Before we say goodbye, I want to let our listeners know that this is just one episode in our ongoing exploration of the global financial landscape. Do you want to know more about this topic, be sure to check out our other episodes. Subscribe to Open Banking today and tomorrow on your favorite podcast platform and join us on this exciting journey of innovation and disruption in the digital banking world. Thank you for listening.